Good morning. I wonder if you recognize uh, this a couple of sentences in the news last week. In a key sentence of my remarks, I said the word would instead of wouldn't. The sentence should have been, I don't see any reason why I wouldn't or why it wouldn't be Russia. Sort of a double negative. Uh, Donald Trump there showing why words matter and how we use our words uh, being very, very important. Uh, we live in a world where people uh, quite often speak uh, without thinking necessarily about what they're um, saying. Uh, also in the news last week, the uh, tech entrepreneur Elon Musk, uh, in reacting to someone insulting him on Twitter, uh, called one of the British divers uh, who was responsible for saving the Thai uh, boys uh, in Thailand, uh, referred to him as a, a child abuser. Uh, just in a throwaway comment on Twitter, uh, this uh, billionaire is now being sued for defamation by the British diver, just for a throwaway comment. Words matter. And it's not just on the global scale that words matter. Words matter in our lives too. Um, I don't know if you've recently said something that very quickly you had cause to regret. Maybe it wasn't recent, maybe uh, it was a while ago, and you're still living with the shame or the consequences of saying something that you now regret. Or maybe it's not regret, maybe it's just there's a really difficult conversation that you've been meaning to have for a long time, and the words, you just can't quite put them together. In our home group last week, uh, just last week in our, our sort of time-sharing prayer requests, we had one person saying, I have a really difficult conversation at work, please pray for wisdom. Another person saying, I'm seeing my non-Christian family, please help me uh, pray for the words to speak to them. Uh, and then my contribution, I've just received a loving rebuke from my wife, please help me accept it. <laughs> In our own lives, we really need wisdom for our words. Now, uh, for those who are uh, just coming here for the first time, or perhaps you've been away for a while, uh, we are in the middle of a, a series um, of sermons on the book of Proverbs. Uh, you can find that on page 635 in the Bibles. And I'm going to be referring to rather a lot of different proverbs throughout the book, uh, which should all appear on the screen, but if you do want to flick them up, uh, there will be references on the screen as well. But we're in the middle of this series, um, and the big picture of proverbs is a contrast between the fool and the wise person, the fool and the wise person. And we see this again and again in lots and lots of different proverbs. What is foolish living like? What is wise living like? And the book of Proverbs is not doing this just to give us tips on how to live a wise and fruitful life. No, it's more diagnostic. It's saying, which of these people are you more like? Are you more like the fool? Are you more like the wise person? It's here actually to expose the follies of our hearts. And one of the other things it's doing, um, as we heard from Dave a couple of weeks ago, is it's shaping the way that we see the world. Our God made the world. He made it to work in a particular way. 
And the book of Proverbs helps us see something of what that way is, the way God intended the world to work. It gives us a pair of glasses to see how this world works. And then finally, one thing we have seen in the book of Proverbs is that this is a book that points us to Jesus. It does that in a number of ways, uh, one of which is it exposes our need for a savior. It shows us the way the world should work, and in doing so, it shows how we're not living like that. We have the heart of the fool often, and so it shows our need for a savior, but it also shows the character of our savior because the wisdom on display in Proverbs is perfectly personified in the Lord Jesus. So today we're looking at the theme of words, speech, the tongue, what we say. And uh, what I've done is I've kind of categorized uh, quite a lot of what Proverbs says in three big categories, uh, which we're going to go through in turn. Um, Here's the first one. Um, And I'm going to put up some verses on the screen. I'm going to read them out. And I just want you to think, what do these verses have in common? Uh, So here we go. Fools show their annoyance at once. A fool's heart blurts out folly. Those who speak rashly will come to ruin. The mouth of the fool gushes folly. Fools delight in airing their own opinions. To answer before listening, that is folly and shame. That's the fool. Have a think. What do those have in common? And now, listen to the opposite. The prudent holds their tongues. The one who has understanding holds their tongue. The prudent overlook an insult. The prudent keep their knowledge to themselves. A person finds joy in giving an apt reply. And how good is a timely word? Hopefully you get the point. Um, I've summed this up by saying, fools speak without thinking, and the wise hold their tongues. Fools speak without thinking, the wise hold their tongues. Now, if you've ever spent much time with me, um, you'll know that I probably epitomize the first half of this um, better than others. Uh, If you haven't spent much time with me, just speak to my parents. Um, They have all sorts of stories of me growing up, um, or indeed more recently. Um, I can think of a particular time at university where uh, just a throwaway comment to a friend at around 7.30 in the evening uh, led to them not speaking to me for the rest of the evening, and it was only after the intervention of some other friends who incidentally told me how stupid I was being and what I was saying that uh, I actually spoke to this friend again later that evening. Or the time when a friend asked for my, my opinion on a song uh, that we hadn't uh, sung recently at the Christian Union I was part of, and I launched into a diatribe about how I thought this song was terribly unhelpful and then found out that his dad had written it. (laughs) Fools speak without thinking. I know uh, that I am often foolish in this regard, but also fools, they have too high a regard for their own words. Um, It's a bit like um, 
maybe some of you here know the experience of somebody has found something really interesting on their phone. Maybe it's a dancing cat um, or just one of the wonders that the internet provides us. And all you can do while they're showing you this video is think, oh, I know an even better video. It's a bit like that uh, with our words. I had a conversation this last week with a friend, coincidentally the friend whose dad wrote that song, We Are Still Friends. Um, but during the entire conversation where he was saying things about what he was doing in his life, I was thinking just at the back of my mind, oh, what can I tell him about my life? How can I get the conversation back to me? We have too high an opinion of our own words. I don't know if you've been in a conversation uh, like that. Or here's another thing. Uh, so fools delight in airing their own opinions. Uh, here's another thing in Proverbs. Like one who grabs a stray dog by the ears is someone who rushes into a quarrel that is not their own. Speaking without thinking. I think this is a proverb for the age of social media. Um, fools speak without thinking. And the wise, by contrast, hold their tongues so that's the first of our contrasts between the fool and the wise in Proverbs. Now, it's not a universal contrast. A lot of these Proverbs, they are for us to sit and mull over. Um, so one of the things we heard was that an apt reply is really, really good. How good is a timely word? This isn't saying you cannot speak ever, but do think. That's our first point. So what is the result of the speech of the fool and the wise? Well, the next one um, we're looking at, fools stir up anger, conflict, and destruction. It's quite harsh words. Fools stir up anger, conflict, and destruction. By contrast, the words of the wise bring life and healing. Just listen to some of these things. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. The lips of the righteous nourish many. From the mouth of the righteous comes the fruit of wisdom. The tongue of the wise brings healing. Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. A gentle answer turns away wrath. The soothing tongue is a tree of life, and gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. I wonder, have you been on the receiving end of words like that? It's not just neutral, is it? It's effusively positive. Words that bring life, that bring healing, that cause growth, that turn away wrath powerful, life-giving words. Imagine if our conversations after church today were full of these kind of words. Imagine if that's what your home groups were like each week, speaking these kinds of words to each other. Imagine how good, how refreshing that would be. It was our wedding anniversary this last week, and uh, Kat, uh, generally being better at these things than me, uh, gave me a lovely card with a couple of watercolor rabbits um, on it. Uh, and the words inside, Kat's very good with words. These are life-giving words. I, I was moved by these words. 
Have you received words like that? In sharing such words, as we actually heard earlier in the psalm, we are sharing in what God does. God is a speaking God whose words bring life and healing. By being involved in these kind of words, saying these sorts of things, we are joining in with what God is doing with his speech. As we share his words, we can too, through his power, bring that life and healing to other people. He speaks new life to lost people. His word changes and shapes us, and he calls us to be his agents in doing some of that. By contrast, uh, more briefly, a perverse person stirs up conflict and a gossip separates close friends. The words of the reckless pierce like swords. That old rhyme, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hear, hurt me. Well, it's not true. The words pierce. The mouth of the fool invites ruin. Picture a castle. A castle that's been destroyed is now a ruin. That is what words do to people's lives. With their mouths, the godless destroy their neighbors. By the mouth of the wicked, the city is destroyed. Words can bring life, but they are powerful and they can bring destruction. Our final contrast is an interesting one. Fools lie and flatter. The wise speak the truth and rebuke in love. In Proverbs, there's a number of Proverbs that contrast truth and lies in the courtroom, and they say that you are to give true, not false testimony. But outside of the courtroom, all the Proverbs that talk of truth and life, I think, are speaking in terms of flattery and rebuke. They're encouraging us, if we are wise, to speak the truth in love, as Paul writes in the New Testament. Now, it's all in the context of relationships, so have a look here. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only for a moment. A lying tongue hates those it hurts, and a flattering mouth works ruin. Whoever rebukes a person will in the end gain favor, rather than the one who has a flattering tongue, and most famously, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. That final one, wounds from a friend can be trusted. This isn't an instruction to us to go out and rebuke everyone. Say, oh yeah, I've just spotted what you had, that's bad. This isn't a mandate for road rage. You should not be driving like that. No, this is a mandate for in the context of relationships, wounds from a friend can be trusted. Uh, a number of years ago, I was talking to a really good friend of mine about the fact that I was feeling really depressed, um, really low and struggling with everyday life. And he looked at me with, you know, a kind of um, friendly look of, of pity and said, oh, mate, oh, mate, I'm so sorry. The next thing he said was, tell me, where in the Bible are you, are you finding solace? Where are you, 
you looking in the Bible to kind of counter that depression you're feeling? And I said, I'm not really looking at the Bible at all. And at that point, he just, he stopped. His face kind of turned to a different expression. He just went, mate, what are you doing talking to me? You know what the problem is. You know why you're depressed. You're not spending any time with God. Look, come back to me in two weeks if you're still feeling depressed, but make sure that you're reading the Bible each day. And I was, I was shaken up. I was like, how dare you say that? But this is a really good friend of mine, and he knew me. He knew my issues with laziness and you know, not getting up in time in the morning, and he knew that he needed to be quite direct and kind of shake me out of my complacency. Those words changed me. The rebuke. Well, it was a wound, but it was faithful. It was far better than the many kisses that he could have multiplied metaphorically. Um, the way he, he said, oh, oh, that's really, you know, I'm really sorry to hear that. Um, no, he, he rebuked me, but it was wise. It was a wise rebuke because we had the relationship. A challenge, perhaps, uh, again, for home groups, perhaps, do we have those sorts of relationships where actually we're able to say, in love, brother, sister, what are you doing? Now, we've got so far, we've gone through a number of different proverbs, and you may be sat there uh, with a bit of an objection saying, that's all very well, Matthew, but actually, I'm quite wise when it comes to my words. Um, I don't really destroy or create ruin with my words. I, I speak with, um, you know, I, I don't speak without thinking. In fact, I'm very thoughtful. I'm very measured in what I say. These will expose our hearts in different ways for different people, but um, if that describes you, I just want you to imagine for a second what things are like when you are tired. So that visit to the pub after work when you're exhausted and your colleagues are just joining in in the gossip about what's been going on and they want you to get involved and you are tired and you want to be accepted and what do you do? or your children have run you ragged again, and again, and again. That's when you shout, isn't it? That's when you're tempted not to offer grace. When we are at our wit's end, that's where we really see what's going on inside us. But is Proverbs just a picture that we're designed, uh, that we're supposed to just follow. Uh, we've seen what the wise speech is like, what foolish speech is like. Now try and be wise. Well, now as we've already said, Proverbs uh, points us uh, to our need for a savior, but it, it also it points us into what the cause, the cons, uh, or the cause of these words are, because like all human behavior, our words flow from our hearts. Um, let me unpack that a bit. Here's uh, some verses. One whose heart is corrupt does not prosper. One whose tongue is perverse falls into trouble. So here um, we've got two halves to a verse in Proverbs, and as is quite common uh, in Old Testament poetry and things like that, uh, the two halves are kind of parallel with each other. In the first one, we have one whose heart is corrupt. And the second half, one whose tongue is perverse. What it's saying is that our tongues, 
Their perversity flows from a corrupt heart. What's going on in our heart comes out through our mouths. So, again, more positively, the one who has knowledge or wisdom or prudence, all these words um, quite similar in Proverbs, uses words with restraint. Whoever has understanding or wisdom or knowledge is even-tempered. What's going on in our hearts comes out through our mouths so that even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. It's when they speak that it shows what's going on inside. Um, In case you're thinking this is just an Old Testament thing here, we have Jesus um, saying exactly the same thing. Make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Or in a previous translation, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Our behavior, our words flow from our hearts. And so we don't just need wisdom. We don't just need a list of things to do or not to do. We need transformed hearts. We need the work of the spirit of wisdom inside us to change us. And we need the one who is wisdom personified, Jesus himself, not just as an example, but as a savior from the words that we shouldn't have said, and as the one who gives us the power to change and become more like him in our words. Now, do we recognize our need of him when it comes to this area of our lives? Do we recognize that we need transforming in here, in our hearts, in order to speak truth, speak words of life? We need him, we need Jesus, we need his help. Wisdom is not just knowing what to do. Wisdom is not just knowing what to do. Wisdom is knowing wisdom himself and letting him shape us. Now, again, as I went through all of these things, you might have had another objection. You might be thinking, well, that's all very well in the the imaginary world that you've got, but in the real world... Harsh words are what accomplish things. You only need to uh, watch something like The Apprentice. Um, Harsh words are what accomplish things. Lies can, in fact, lead to good. In the real world, you might be saying, this just doesn't work. The fact is that Proverbs shows us the way God designed the world to be But human sinfulness has distorted it, and it's created a world in which it seems like the only thing I can do when somebody criticizes me is get angry and speak out. In this world corrupted by sin, it seems like it's impossible for me to say anything to my friends about Jesus because it's just going to drive them away. In this sinful world, it seems like The words of Proverbs are unrealistic. And that, again, is why we need Jesus. We need a transformed heart because it is as our hearts are changed by him 
that we see more and more that the way of God, the way of wisdom, makes sense of the way the world works. So here's a few examples um, for us. Our first thing, fools speak without thinking, but the wise hold their tongues. When our hearts are transformed by Jesus and recognize our sinfulness, our foolishness, our hearts become humble. We start to think, perhaps what I have to say isn't so worth sharing. Perhaps I need to think and pray and respond. We'll pause. We'll want to share what God has to say in a situation. We won't just say the first thing that comes into our heads. When our hearts become soft and humble, it will shape our words in a positive way. And we will see that God's ways make sense. A gentle answer really does turn away wrath. But it's only when our hearts are humble enough to accept it that we start to see that change. We need transformed hearts. Or second example, fools stir up anger and destruction. Why does anger burst out of us? So often, it's because we think we're owed something that we don't get. So when I'm driving, I was talking to Kat about this the other day, and she's been learning to drive the last few months, and she always wondered why um, sermon illustrations are often about either children or driving. Um, and we realized as we were talking together that it's because these are two things that bring anger out in a large number of people. Why is it? Why is it that when someone cuts you up on the motorway, you get really angry? You think you deserve more. You deserve an easy life. You deserve something better. I mean, maybe you're annoyed because you almost crashed, but often our anger is because we think we're owed something else. We're angry at someone because they haven't lived up to our expectations. We think we are owed better, but recognizing that actually all we have is a gift from God. We don't deserve his grace, but he lavishes on it on us. He gives us each other. He gives us so many blessings. As Ellie was telling the children, the riches that the Lord gives are far greater than anything. If we recognize that, if our hearts long for that, if our hearts know that as the reality, then when something happens which we don't think we deserve, when something happens to make us angry, we can respond with grace because we know the Lord's grace to us. We're more willing to offer it to others. Or finally, fools lie and flatter, but the wise speak the truth and rebuke in love. When we're accepted by Jesus, when wisdom himself comes to live in us, we have a secure and eternal relationship with the God of the universe. And so, if we love someone, if they are our friend, we are willing to face their annoyance, their even rejection, by speaking hard words that they need to hear in love. 
knowing our acceptance by wisdom himself means that we can wisely rebuke in love where it's appropriate. So in all these areas, it is a transformed heart. It is knowing the Lord Jesus. It is seeing him shape us from the inside out that then gives birth to wisdom in the way that we speak, the way that we live. Now, as I um, come to a close, uh, there's probably a number of uh, different responses uh, here in the room to what I've said. Perhaps you're here um, and you are a believer in Jesus. Uh, and as I've gone through, there's been something that's really convicted you, some area where you recognize your foolishness. What I'd love uh, you to do is not go out of here and just think, okay, I need to read lots of Proverbs and try and be more wise. Doesn't work. What we need to do is start with repentance. We need to look to Jesus as our substitute and savior first, the one who perfectly lived the life of wisdom in our place. And then then knowing his forgiveness, then we can turn uh, to him as an example. We can look at uh, what we hear in Proverbs and we can ask for his help to change us in the present. Or perhaps you're here and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, but you see something of the truth of what Proverbs is saying here. You see that actually... God's way, the way we see in Proverbs, makes sense of this world. It makes sense to live like this. But we look at the world and we see very few people do. And that is because we need Jesus. The solution to our problems is not a load of laws to restrict us and tell us what we can and cannot do because all of our behavior comes from our hearts. We need Jesus to change us. So if you wouldn't call yourself a Christian here, but you recognize the goodness of this way of living, well, come speak to me afterwards. Um, Jesus is the one who can transform us from the inside out to live this way, to save us from ourselves. Or perhaps you're here and you um, are a, a Christian, you're a believer in Jesus, but you're just not quite convinced yet that this is an area where you really need to grow. Well, my, my challenge to you is to keep reading Proverbs, to meditate, as we've heard in previous weeks, over some of what it says, and to see, am I really living always, in every area, the life of the wise? Think of those words that give life, that give healing, the completely over-the-top, overflowing goodness that those kind of words bring and think, where in my life needs those kind of words? Who in my life needs those kind of words from me? And turn to the Lord and ask for his help. Our God is a good God. His way is the best way. 
We cannot do it ourselves, but he transforms us so that our words might be like his words, life-giving, healing. Let's pray together. Father God, would your word change our hearts, that our words might be changed as well, and that our words might in turn bring life. And we pray that this would be a church that speaks wisely so that your church might be built up and that many might come to know Jesus. Amen.